2: my mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to explain what's going on with this market. So call me at one 800 743 or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Things got too cheap. Many stocks just went too low or turned out to be too low versus the numbers they ended up reporting. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised if we've got more room to run. Even as the market took a breather today, Dow dipping 57 points, s and declining 0.20%, Nasdaq inching down 0.07%. we are overbought, and we can expect some profit taking. Sell, 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 sell. There's been a lot of money made very soon. A breather's warranted. Often, when we've had big runs like the one over the last four weeks, it's because though something actually has changed beyond sentiment. Now, look, you can always have too much negativity and get a snapback rally, but that is not what's happening here, people. We're dealing with a market that was too punished versus the actual fundamentals, and it's worth examining how that happens. I think it holds the key to the next phase of the rally. First, I don't want to minimize the fact that interest rates sure look like they peaked in late October, and the Fed might be done tightening. We're doing a week-long series on what works if rates have truly peaked. And if the recent action of the bond market reverses itself, well, it's true, the move this let's say it becomes suspect. But if you take interest rates out of it, you simply cannot have such a powerful move as we've just had without something changing in the real world with individual companies' prospects not just in the animal spirits of the market. So let's go over the things that mattered and the things that changed for the better. Why don't we start with Exhibit A, the $1.1 trillion company that is NVIDIA. CEO Jensen Wong worked for 20 years to develop graphics cards that could be used to generate thoughts, to actually think for you. For a couple of years, even as it amazed those who saw it, like we did, the technology, it went big. And then a year ago, we found out about this chat GPT from OpenAI. Jensen worked with Sam Altman from OpenAI for, for years. He was ready. He had the supply of chips, he had the ability to make more almost endlessly, and he could sell them for big prices. Last year at this time, we thought NVIDIA would earn around $4 per share in 2023. Instead, thanks to the power of AI and the demand for all those chips, do you know they're gonna earn maybe $12 per share? While stocks can go up because people are willing to pay more for the same earnings, that's what we call multiple expansion. We prefer when they go up because the earnings turn out to be much better than expected. NVIDIA is experiencing both kinds of rallies, but mostly it's about the huge numbers. Why should we care? Because ultimately we don't want to pay more and more for the same earnings, right? When that happens, they get more expensive and they get risky. We want stocks to turn out to be reasonably priced based on higher earnings because that kind of rally is sustainable. And that's why I say that even after NVIDIA stock has advanced 230% this year, the best performer in the S&P 500 is a stock to own, not to trade. When you consider how much NVIDIA could make, it's actually cheap on both current earnings future estimates. Ben writes this, who's a very good analyst over at Mellius Research, he points out this morning that NVIDIA is trading at just 23 times next year's earnings, 20 times 2025. That's well below most of the Magnificent Seven. It's cheaper than Microsoft, cheaper than Apple. And NVIDIA is just one example of a company that's growing just bonkers for actual earnings, thanks to AI. Same goes for Microsoft with its Copilot AI platform. It's a product that you pay for separately from your current Microsoft software. It's already being viewed as indispensable from many of the sources that I talk to. Adobe's using AI right now, making a profit with it. It may not be included in current earnings estimates. They just could be going higher. Many others might follow with actual raised earnings from AI. I, I think ServiceNow could. Again, I'm just trying to drive home the point that at this moment, last year, last year, we had no idea that this thing could be happening. None. This tangible thing that would lead to huge increases in earnings and earnings estimates for so many companies. If we were just paying more for Microsoft because we loved Microsoft, then those gains could be illusory because love disappears very quickly, doesn't it? Multiple expansion equals love. Paying for higher earnings equals rigor. We have rigorous projections for AI. Of course, not all techs moved on AI. For two years, we had a glut of PCs. As so many people bought new computers for their home offices during the pandemic. We're now almost through that glut, which has led to steady rallies in the stocks of AMD, Micron, Intel, all the semiconductor capital equipment names that help produce chips for them. It's a huge upcycle, and when it works, it works big! Bye, bye, bye! Right now, it seems as though these semiconductor rallies are driven by multiple expansion. But when we see the numbers for these PC-related companies next year, I think it's going to be like an NVIDIA situation where the stocks turn out to be much, much, much cheaper in retrospect because the earnings for those companies I mentioned, I think those earnings are about to soar. Then there's another group of stocks that have been hurt unnecessarily but are now free to bounce back. The food place. Not long ago, there was this fever, the fever from Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly's new weight loss drugs. Managers dumped every food stock, every beverage stock. There'd be massive adoption by these new drugs, something that could happen over time, but not anytime soon. Now, they knocked down the whole food and beverage cohort, and I think they've created some bargains. Today, we got an upgrade of the stock of Mondelez, the snack food maker. Now, I think we've realized that these new drugs won't immediately turn the world upside down. The food company stocks, they've gotten too cheap. The beverages are too cheap. Even the alcohol, too cheap. Uh, Even after this recent bounce, uh, which was made, of course, by the fear of the GLP-1s, not the bomb market. That's the name of the class of drugs. You know, we own Eli Lilly for the travel trust, even up here. And we tell club members, because although we don't expect the demise of the processed food industry, we do think Eli Lilly's drug, called Monjaro for diabetes and Zepbam for weight loss, will be among the best, selling drugs of all time. But get this, if I am wrong, Lily's stock is way, way too high. Sometimes what you have to do is you need to make a bold move. Not a gamble, but a bold move if you're trying to make big money. We are making a bold move by sticking with Eli Lilly. What else? Coming into the year, Wall Street figured that higher mortgage rates would just annihilate the housing (laughs) stock. (laughs) They, too, experienced a gigantic dip when the Fed continued its relentless campaign of rate hikes. But as it turned out, higher rates didn't do much to, to damage their profitability. Because we have a major housing shortage in this country. They can't put them up fast enough, and they can charge pretty much what they want. The homeowners didn't need to cut prices like we thought they would. And these stocks ended up being very cheap. Now, housing punches above its weight. It's only 10% of the economy, but man, can it play a big reverberation role. Now, there are whole cohorts that we still aren't sure about, and these are going to be what we have to count on for the next leg. Okay? Uh, uh, earnings for banks, underwritings, picking up, I don't know. Mergers, not so much. Healthcare stocks can't get out of their own way. Is that politics? Medicare? I don't know. Or will they look back and say they were cheap? I don't think so. Energy stocks, crush. Makes sense. Gasoline's been down for 60 straight days. Retail stock's incredibly weak. Again, though, perhaps that's just Amazon doing its Grim Reaper thing, crushing the earnings potential for its bricks-and-mortar competitors. If earnings don't grow, these stocks won't go higher. I bet Amazon will have much higher earnings, though, and you should stick with it because it can keep delivering upside surprises. Do you think we can keep going higher from here? I think we've reached our limits on paying more for this set of earnings from tech. Same with the food and beverage stocks and housing. Those are big chunks for the market. They got us here. If we're going to go further, another group will need to turn out to be too cheap, which will be the industrials, maybe the autos, the travel and entertainment. There has to be a better earnings story out there that we just do not know yet. Bottom line, this market needs some new heroes to go higher, at least one, ideally more. Otherwise, we're going to lapse to that pure multiple expansion thing, which makes the market get more risky than I'd like. Doesn't mean it can't keep going up, but it does mean the rally from here would be a lot less sustainable and, yes, a lot more dangerous. Let's go to Alden in Oklahoma. Alden. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. How can I help? Well, I had a great experience at Best Buy um,
1: in Tulsa um, recently when I bought a new cell phone and accessories I added. And they were just phenomenal with me. And I left the store not only Elated with the right cell phone, but I had bought a forty nine ninety nine extra plan from them that would enable me to have flexibility on returning the phone. Turns out I got all these perks, um, and the marketing, the store, the people—I was just blown away by it. And well, I you to should know be. What you
2: thought of the company. Okay, hold on. I got to tell you, I when I saw the earnings last week, I actually liked them, and I think the world of Corey Barry. She should come on the show. We'll do the show from a Best Buy. I agree with you about that. It's an inexpensive stock and it yields five percent, and I think you should be a buy, buy, buy. of that great one, Austin in Pennsylvania. Austin, booyah, chill man. Yo, what's happening now? I'm a I'm a proud Costco member. I mean, I just yes. got gas for two eighty seven a gallon, so I'm pretty pleased. But I've been holding this stock for a while, and the company's nearing its all time high of about six hundred. So I need to know: is Costco as strong through six hundred as Jake Elliott's leg? Oh, man, that's a miracle leg you're talking about. I mean, you're talking about, I don't know. But I tell you, I think Costco could hit a 64-yard field goal in the rain. That's what I like. All right, the market needs some new heroes to go higher. Otherwise, we're going to lapse into pure multiple expansion, and that could be unsustainable. Or oh, man, tonight, which has had a nice move over the last month, along with the rest of tech. So as the company that spent much of last year in the doghouse ready for a stay, move higher? I'm getting the latest from the CEO. Then, if you think that interest rates have peaked, where should you be looking in this market? I've got the answers. And Microsoft Security Business has 15,000 partners backing its $20 billion operation from within. So I'm learning what's behind the juggernaut's division, the company's corporate vice president for security. So stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
3: Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet.
2: This point on Cyber Monday, I think it's pretty clear that e-commerce is doing fabulously, especially for small and medium-sized businesses, which I always champion. Which brings me to Wix.com, the Israeli cloud-based web design company that allows small businesses to create their own custom-made websites that can rival what you've seen from their larger competitors. Wix reported a great quarter earlier this month, and since then, its stock has vaulted 9%. Can it keep climbing? Let's check in with Avishay Abrahami. He's the co-founder and CEO of Wix. Get a better read on the situation. Mr. Abrahami, welcome back to Bit Money. Thank you. Hey, how are you? I am good. Obviously, When I first contracted with you guys years ago for my restaurant, which I've now had to sell, uh, I was amazed at how much you could do for me. And yet now I think about with AI, you are integrated to the point where I think I'd be a much better business person. I'd like you to fill us in on what it was like eight years ago versus now if I used Wix.
4: Well, I think, first of all, you had to create your website yourself, right? Yes. we large ADI, which allow AI to create the layout and the design of the website for you. We are now adding functionality, we actually interview you and enabling the AI to create a website that fits what you need, create the content for you, so automatically write the, the, the content for you. Uh, image editing, again, something that you have to hire a professional, is something that we're already adding into the product, so that become another something that you can do automatically. And there is a long SEO optimization, for example, how to be found on Google. This is another thing we just launched a few weeks ago, again, based on AI. So for us, because the challenge is always the friction between how much effort you need to place on a website to be great, to what us small businesses can actually afford to put in, AI is a great enabler for us to remove, reduce that friction and create better results. So Wait, we have- I think that people have to understand that
2: if I hire Wix now, I can drive conversion much better than the so-called old Wix, I'm going to call it, because of of different things that you're able to show me as a small business owner that will get people to commit to coming to my place or spending money at my site. And now what makes it so, can you actually prove how much better uh, conversion is with your new tools?
4: Well, we always measure that. Right? So I don't know the statistics specifically from eight years ago, but it's by many, many, many tens of percents. And, and, and we can see it, you know, just the ability to be found on Google better. SEO is dramatically improved because we also allow to create more rich content. So that's something that Google likes and a and, and dozen of other improvements. So it's probably be 60% better or, or more. Wow. Wow. Now, Wix Studio... I mean, you're talking about all the partners
2: are just crazy about this. We didn't even know what Wix Studio was. Fill us in on what that is.
4: So it's recently launched. So we, we always known that there's a lot of professionals using Wix, so there'll be agencies or freelancers using Wix to build websites for their customers. But we never addressed them in a specific way. And we always, they always use the same product for small, that small businesses did. And um, a few years ago, we realized that maybe we should address them differently because they have different needs. Instead of spending few hours building a website, those guys spends every day, every hour of the day inside of Wix. So we built a product for them. It's called Wix Studio. It's Emmet agency. It's Amit Professionals. It is still very easy to use, but it's full of capabilities that normally you wouldn't want a small business to be ex- even exposed to. And all of those things are now available, very easy to use. The product has been launched. A couple of weeks ago, and, and been doing. It. I'm really happy with
2: the results. Oh, that's very. I think that's very exciting. I want to check it out myself for some other stuff I'm working on now. Uh, you are based in Israel. Uh, there's been. Uh, it's been a time of great turmoil. Uh, your company's headquartered in Tel Aviv. Uh, just tell us what it's like there. I mean, Elon Musk is there today. I know that there's been great uh, concern about how businesses. I know that money is not more important than life, I'm not making any any of that kind of comparison. But how do you stay open in a period where so many people have been called up for,
4: for the work? So, first of all, I think it's extremely hard. I think emotionally, a lot of us here have felt a tremendous uh, amount of grief and worry in the last uh, since October 7. I think that people behave differently into, toward that and, and, you know, to fight depression for most people. I think the opposite of depression is hope. And hope means doing something. So a lot of people actually came back to work just for that. Uh, we're a global company, so international company. So we, in the beginning, we had lean more on offices of Wix outside of Israel. Now most of the people are back to work. Of course, we have about, a, I think, a, a 15% uh, in reserve service. So, But we're back to launching product. We release Wix Studio. We release say, some AI product. We we are doing a lot of really cool things now again, and I think that in some way this is actually unifying the company more and energizing people because they know, you know, what we're doing is actually meaningful for the country and, and of course for the company.
2: And I, just give you the last word. I don't want to, you know, I feel terribly for what is going on there. But uh, you said your companies worldwide. I see. It looks like to me that. All, that a huge percentage of your business now in the last few years is over, is not in the United States.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, if you're talking about our customers, then absolutely. And uh, we always had a, a global reach. We're selling in 190 countries. Uh, and, uh, and, and the international business is growing very well. If you talk about our employees, then we also have employees in Europe. We have in Ukraine. And another war, but uh, it's a bit more. uh, We had a very interesting couple of years, right? COVID, Ukraine war, and then now here in Israel. But uh, I think we got better at learning how to do that and how to manage for crises. And uh, hopefully next year will be a bit more boring in those regards. And and, uh, we'll continue to see the business growing. I think that to see how all the companies unified around. Pushing things forward, even in the hard time, it's just amazing to see the kind of talent we have and and the strength, mental strength they have.
2: Okay, well, look, I wish you the best of luck, not that you need it. Your company has just evolved in a way that is so special. And I'm thrilled that you came back on. And I'm glad that you and your team are well. And I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. That's Abhisheh Abrahami. He's the co-founder and CEO of Wix.com. I've been a client. It's an amazing company. And I thank you for coming on. Good to see you.
1: Coming up, part one of a game of What If? What's to come if rates have peaked? Kramer picks apart the power companies next.
0: I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis, but Cosentyx works on both.
5: Eight four four Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.
2: This market has had a spectacular run since the late October lows. Dow gaining nearly ten percent, S P climbing almost eleven percent, Nasdaq jumping thirteen point five percent. And a lot of this move, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is because the bond market gave us a stay of execution. In fact, now that long-term treasury yields have pulled back substantially from the past five weeks, with the tenure going from roughly 5% down to 4.4% today, it's feeling more like a full presidential pardon for the stock market. Hey, better than a couple of turkeys. If you believe interest rates have peaked, then that that creates a much more benign market. And there's good reason to believe that they have peaked. When you look at the federal fund futures, Wall Street now believes that the Fed's done raising interest rates. And if anything, we might be getting rate cuts by next summer. Now, I wouldn't go that far. The scourge of inflation doesn't go away that easily. And ideally, prices need to retreat, not just go up more slowly. I'm adamant about that. But given how much inflation's already come down, I'm convinced that the Fed's job is mostly done. Why does it matter? Because there are entire categories of stocks that are borderline untouchable when rates are on the rise, especially the high-yielding dividend names that compete directly with the bond market. That's why all week we're running a series on sectors that are safe to buy in a world where interest rates have peaked, because I know many of you want to have high-yielding stocks. Tonight, I'm going to start with the utilities, because this is the group to own if you believe interest rates are done going up. But in the meantime, they'll cause a nasty economic slowdown. See, these are quintessential slowdown stocks, because you don't stop paying your electric bill just because of a downturn. Furthermore, the utilities have huge capital spending programs and frequently have to borrow gigantic amounts of money to meet those obligations. That's a lot less expensive if rates are lower. More to you, the shareholders. Suddenly now bond yields are coming down from their highs. Utility stocks, I think they're feeling pretty safe. Can't be sure, but I like them. They are very beaten down. Do to you know the utilities are the worst performing sector of the year? They're down 11% for 2023. 2023, even if they're bouncing off their lows. So we got to ask ourselves which ones look interesting and are safe and maybe even can raise their payout. Let's start with Sempra. Okay, that's the California-based utility that's one of the best growth stories in the industry. Yeah, you heard me. Growth. SEMPRA's got a couple of solid regulated utilities in South, Southern California, a regulated electric transmission distribution utility in Texas, big growth market, and an energy infrastructure business, including some great natural gas pipelines in Mexico, some LNG, liquefied natural gas export terminals, and a number of alternative energy projects it's got fingers many pies. Now, Sempra stock has pulled back more than 16% since it peaked 14 months ago. Now, that's in part because lower natural gas prices make their pipeline and liquefied natural gas export business less attractive. But I got to tell you, I think interest rates have played a far bigger role, much more nefarious role, as the stock's 3.2 percent dividend yield simply doesn't pay you enough versus what you can get from Treasuries, risk free. Competition is too tough. But while Wall Street's been focused on big picture things that are beyond separate control, the company led by the terrific CEO Jeff Martin kept its heads down and, and has continued to put up strong numbers. And that's why we've got this stock in our bullpen for the travel trust. We've been thinking hard about starting a position here. We just need to free up some space in the portfolio first. Now, let's, of course, let's not forget American Electric Power. How many times have they been on? That's the Columbus, Ohio-based uh, Ohio utility. It's one of the nation's largest electricity producers. When I last spoke to CEO Julie Sloat earlier this month, I marveled at AAP's commercial low growth. It's up 7.5 percent in the last quarter, their third straight quarter where this number's been over 7 percent. This is a utility for heaven's sake. At Sloat's season, American Electric Power is in the economic development business, which is a good business to be in now that we're seeing a resurgence of domestic manufacturing, including the new $20 billion semiconductor plant that Intel building in Ohio. Plus, A.P. has got a solid 4.5% yield. With a, uh, that's competitive with the 10-year. And the stock's darn cheap, selling for just 14 times next year's earnings estimates. I think AAP, buy, buy, AAP buy. is just a straight-out buy right here, OK? More importantly, AAP gives us a roadmap for utilities that should work in a world where interest rates are beat. We want companies serving attractive markets with enticing yields. Now, there are nine other utilities in the S&P 500 that yield more than 4%. I look at a couple of them, uh, Energy and Southern Company. Energy is based in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, another excellent economic region because it's become a liquefied natural gas export hub. Last week, Bank of America upgraded the stock from neutral to buy, citing a bullish update from management at a big utility industry conference earlier this month. Specifically, Energy has some of the largest rate increases in the industry scheduled over the next few years, and the company's resolved most of its litigation issues that have been holding its stock back. Now it sells for 14 times earnings, has a 4.4% yield. It works if you believe interest rates are done going higher. Oh, now here's one that I didn't like for a long time, Southern Company. For years, the narrative here has been dominated by massive construction projects. They're building the first new nuclear plants in this country in more than three decades. But they've been way behind schedule and massively over budget. Now, though. Southern companies finally reached the payoff stage. The first new nuclear plant was placed into service this summer, and the second one's coming online early next year. That means we can go back to focusing on the core business, an electric utility in Alabama and Georgia, very solid economically, with a stock that offers a 4% yield. Remember, I'm a big fan of nuclear, and so is the federal government. Finally, let's talk about my favorite utility comeback story. PG&E Corp. That's the old Pacific Gas and Electric. I recommended this one last December. It has been a fantastic performer. PG&E is all about execution, avoiding major setbacks. Ever since Patty Poppy took over as CEO nearly two years ago, that's exactly what they've done. Now, in theory, PG&E really shouldn't be a name that benefits from interest rates topping out and rolling over because the company doesn't even pay a dividend. But I'm still including it because all the utilities tend to trade as a group, and it might start paying a dividend again surprisingly soon. When we last spoke to Patty Poppy in September, she told us about several potential catalysts ahead, including a decision for the company's rate increase proposal for the next several years and the potential reinstatement of a dividend. They already got approval from the California Public Utilities Commission to raise prices by nearly 13 percent, which allows PG&E to create a new financial plan with more revenue factored in. That, in turn, will likely allow the board of directors to feel confident that it can pay a dividend again. So stay tuned on that front. I believe in Poppy's leadership, which is why I'm sticking with this one, even as it's rebounded hard from its lows. Here's the bottom line. If you believe that interest rates have peak, this would be a terrific time to build up some utility exposure. I told you the four dividend plays in the group that fit here, as well as one non-dividend play that's got too many catalysts to ignore. Hey, stick around for the rest of the week. I'm going to go through the rest of the groups that are suddenly viable, again, with long rates retreating from their highs. Right, let's take some calls. Let's go to Joe in my home state, New Jersey. Joe. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Uh, Thank you for having me on. And a very impressive win for your Eagles yesterday. What a game. The boys are good. I have to admit, they know how to play. They're gamers. Congratulations to them. How can I help you? I've owned Cisco Systems since uh, 2010.
1: And I've been reinvesting the dividends every quarter with the uh, earnings beat, but a miss on the guidance. Should I continue to hold on? Okay, I want you to hold on.
2: I want you to hold on. But you have to hold on. Two quarters may not be uh, maybe too long for a lot of people to wait. But I think it's going to be two quarters before I feel like we're going to see the growth that you want. So, Joe, that is up to you. I'm not going to say stick around for two quarters. I'm going to say that it will take, I think, two quarters to solve the problems. And uh, thank you for calling in. Let's go to Pat in Texas, please. Pat. Good afternoon, Jim. Hi, Pat. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, this is uh, good afternoon in Texas. And I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Had a great family Thanksgiving. I, I thank want, you.
1: I, I, I want to thank you for all that you do for uh,
0: keeping us amateurs out of the deep end of the water.
2: Well, um, I would tell you, I have to tell you, Pat, I think we're all amateurs that just try to help each other and including some of the people who come on air who say they're pros. We're all amateurs in the face of a, a very difficult market. How can I help you?
0: I want to talk to you about Biogen. I have had it for a while. It just made a new low a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I've been trying to find out what they're doing about this Alzheimer's drug, and apparently it's not launched yet. Do you know if they have ever started dispensing it?
2: I think that uh, both Biogen and Eli Lilly expect something really big to happen next year. Uh, the problem with Biogen is it's being lumped into the just general drug group, and you are seeing that group. We could be talking about any drug company, and you'd be seeing the same exact reaction. But thank you for the nice words, Pat. And we, if we all hang in together, we're going to figure this. We try to Every day we try to figure out what's happening in this market. And that's why I'm so glad that you called it. Now, if you believe that interest rates have peak people, this would be a terrific time to build up some utility experience. Look, it's a really beaten-down group. It's full of quintessential slowdown stocks if you think the economy is slowing. Much more man, my and include my swing with Microsoft's CVP of security with a new integration of AI into a cybersecurity offerings. I'm learning more about how the company is quietly disrupting some of the sector's biggest players and still trying to figure out how we have such strength in small, medium-sized businesses amid a Fed that's hitting us with the most aggressive rate hike cycle in more than 40 years. I'm revealing what I think has changed in this economy and what's helped keep it robust. And of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Maybe we've heard about some huge cybersecurity instances. they got Clorox, MGM Resorts, Caesars, uh, uh, so many others with these breaches costing millions and millions of dollars to fix. It's a good reminder that we like the best cybersecurity stocks because their offerings are essential. Businesses need to protect themselves from the bad guys, and they're willing to spend a great deal to do it. They have to do it. But did you know that one of the biggest players in cybersecurity is just a division of a much larger company? Talk about Microsoft. They do $20 billion per year in cybersecurity revenue. Now, that is larger than Palo Alto Networks, Fortinet, and CrowdStrike combined. You don't often hear about Microsoft's cybersecurity business, though, because it's only one piece of a much larger enterprise. In fact, we most commonly hear about these guys when some other cybersecurity vendors talking down their competition, including right here on this program. But Microsoft's the leader here. So why don't we do this? Let's take a closer look with, with Vasu Jukai, now she is the corporate vice president in Microsoft, of Microsoft security. And I tell you, well, I'm just glad to have her here. Ms. Chikha, welcome to Mad Money.
6: Thank you, Jim. It's great to be
2: here. I want to get right, right to it, Vasu. I feel like that we have had uh, many people say things about Microsoft cybersecurity. How about we hear from Microsoft what cybersecurity means?
6: Absolutely. To start with, cybersecurity is about trust. And today, one million customers around the world use Microsoft security. They trust us to protect their organizations. And we have a unique seat at the table because we are a leading software company and we are a leading security company. So every single day we process 65 trillion signals. And we use these signals to understand deeply what's happening on the front lines of security, nation state, ransomware. And there are three things that we need to watch out for, speed, scale, and sophistication because we're seeing unprecedented threat landscape. As an example, we're seeing 4,000 password attacks per second.
2: Per second? Per second. Well, what, what company can really try to take on that That's defense? right.
6: Absolutely, And that's why we feel security is a team sport. And here's what Microsoft has done for okay. that, right? Because to address these attacks, we have to do three things really effectively. One, we have to be able to see, like have visibility, because right. you cannot protect what you cannot see. Okay. That's why those 65 trillion signals matter. Second, you have to protect comprehensively. A lot of people talk about platforms and end-to-end security, but what does comprehensive mean? It's protecting your house, every room in the house, the roof, the foundation, the the safe, and also the neighborhood. And Microsoft has the largest end-to-end security portfolio, and we protect your data, your devices, your identity, your infrastructure, your cloud, all of that. And third, we have the superpower of generative AI which is helping us defend at machine speed and scale, especially given the cybersecurity talent shortage with 3.5 million jobs right now. So that's our unique approach to security, and that's why our customers trust us.
2: the bad guys. The bad guys have uh, generative AI, too. The bad guys have increased, just from your own uh, work, uh, in the last year, a tenfold of password attacks from last year. I mean, now, if they have AI, if they're bombarding us how can we hope to stop them?
6: We, first and foremost, we need deep collaboration and deep partnerships because the bad actors work together. We as defenders need
2: to work together. North Korea, China?
6: Ch- North Korea, China, Iran, Russia. Russia, Vietnam, so many. We have to make sure that we as defenders and organizations work together, public sector and private sector. We also have to make sure that we leverage AI for real good because it has this power to elevate the human potential. And it's gonna help us solve the most serious of challenges. Security is one of the most serious of challenges. And the advantage that we have with AI is we have data that we can train this AI on to understand security. So I'm really hopeful that with these collectively we can change the asymmetry of the threat landscape.
2: OK, so tell me, uh, we've had George Kurtz on a number of times. He often talks about how uh, that Microsoft basically has given him a de facto way to be able to have a lot of business. Now, I, I imagine that if I am a, a CEO of a company, it, it, maybe it's just belt and suspenders. Why wouldn't I want everybody? I have Microsoft. I may, might want to have CrowdStrike. Maybe I want Zscaler just reported. How do you we deal with the CEO who says, look, I really want more than just Microsoft? Is that OK?
6: So first of all, we partner with the entire ecosystem. Okay. We are partnering with 15,000 companies and organizations. 300 security vendors are building on our platforms. Okay. And the way we address this is we no one company can do this without others. And we go back to two things that we're doing fundamentally: building secure software, and we have initiatives like Secure Future Initiative, which is how do you code for today's AI world. And secondly, we make advanced tools available so that all defenders everywhere can use it. And then we work with our ecosystem to make sure that our tools and technologies work together. And we are simplifying security for our customers.
2: OK, I want you to, to uh, put me in the secret room that you have. Uh, someone is studying China, what China is doing right now. What would you expect at this very second China might be doing to hurt United States businesses?
6: I think you have to step back and not just look at China, but look at the whole world to look at how all the operators of threat attacks are acting. There's of course, espionage related IP and geopolitics. So they're constantly looking at what are the economic advantages that they can have. But there's also financial crime. Like today, cyber crime costs us $8 trillion a year. And that's expected to escalate to more than 10 trillion. So there's a lot of financial lucrative financial crime happening there so we have to and we track all actors we are tracking 300 unique nation-state and financial crime actors today that's up from 200
2: last year we don't play offense at all I mean can't you work with the Defense Department and say look these are the guys and we've got to target them right back
6: we have to defend ourselves and we have to protect our world comprehensively so our approach has been that let's prevent all the attacks that we can prevent let's detect everyone And then and detect everything. And then let's respond as effectively as we can. And this is why, Jim, Gen AI is going to play a big role in cybersecurity.
2: Okay, within the organization, I mean, you have just a gigantic amount of cybersecurity. Does someone report to Mr. Nadella and tell him every day what's going on?
6: We do. We have Satya has made a big bet on cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is very core to our business and to Microsoft because it's a very mission driven business. He's also made a
2: big bet, as we know, on AI.
6: And on AI. And so we do a lot of threat intelligence briefs. It's front and center of everything we do, because even as we look at AI, responsible AI, secure future initiative, securing AI and governing AI are all at the heart of it. And Microsoft is has built security and privacy into everything we do.
2: All right, last question, what can we do? I mean, you've got people watching right now and they're hearing, and I don't want them to be scared, but it's quite obvious that we're being overwhelmed right now. What can an individual do to protect themselves?
6: So first and foremost, we have to truly understand what we are up against. And we have to recognize that cybersecurity is about everyone, not just some people, you, me, consumers, enterprises. We have to understand the threat landscape is relentless. And there are three things we need to do, and this is where Microsoft plays a big role. One, protect comprehensively end-to-end, use generative AI, Copilot for security, which is our Microsoft product, is a game changer. It's going to revolutionize security. And three, as we use AI, we need to secure AI and we need to govern AI. And we need to use tools like the Microsoft Security Portfolio to do well, that. Well, I so.
2: sure hope that that you, I'm, well, I know that you are the leader in AI, which is fantastic news for all of us who use Microsoft. That's Vasu Jukal. She's the Corporate Vice President of Microsoft Security. Now, this is a division within Microsoft, obviously incredibly important. We have back in.
1: Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky's the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round, next.
2: It is time. It's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, skate daddy? Time for the lightning round. Let's go to Catalina New York. Catalina. Hi, Jen
0: Kramer. Booyah!
2: Booyah, Catalina. What's going on?
0: I want to know, what do you think where gold is going to keep going up, or is it going to stay like it's been doing, going down, going no,
2: up? No, 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 no. I think it goes up. Remember, it's an insurance program. All it is is insurance against everything else you have. Can't expect to make too much money on in your insurance, but I still think you will. Let's go to Kit and Washington. Kit. Hey, how are you? I'm good, Kit. How about you? I'm good. Hey, I want to thank you for all your stock tips. I remember about eight years ago when I bought Popeye Stock, the restaurant. Yeah, uh, we got a nice a bid demo, there, huh? You got a nice bid on that one. It tripled. So, Yeah, Cheryl Batchel did a great job for shareholders there. She's just, she should be applauded. How can I help you now? Yeah, so I, I still have Generac. I've uh, had it for about three years. I've just watched it. Yeah, I'm not going to call you about my winners. It's one of my big losers. And yeah. Do you feel Well, actually, like I think down here just- it's okay. I mean, it was a big. Turned out it had a lot more to do with interest rates than we thought. People were. It, you buy it and you basically pay it off in interest uh, plus the actual uh, cost of the thing. Interest costs are going down, so I think Genrack could uh, have another 10, 15 points to run. Please hold on to it. Let's go to Christopher in South Carolina. Christopher. Booyah, Jim. This is
5: Christopher from South Carolina. Excellent. I love the show, love the picks. Thank I you. I wanted to get your thoughts on a dry bulk shipping company. They just reported pretty nice dividends, have, not dividends, but earnings, and have very healthy dividends, and they're doing a buyback program as well stock is Golden Ocean Group, G-O-G-L. It's, it's
2: the best of a, of a lot that I candidly do not like, sir, as you know, because you watch the show. Those companies have historically gone uh, boom-bust, and we're it just had boom, I fear, bust. Let's go to Fred in Pennsylvania, please. Fred! Hey, Jim, how you doing? Uh, doing well, Fred. current club member. Oh, my thank stock, you. My stock is Guardian. Hell, it's an this no. stock that... Uh, it's just it gene sequencing, and I'd much rather see it, honestly, in a Danaher, which is a much more conservative way to play it, and is well down and beaten up, and we own it for the club. Let's go to Craig in Florida. Craig. Dr. Kramer, happy Monday. Oh, man. Monday, that means there's a lot more days ahead, but that's all right. We're ready for him. How can I help? Okay, this name is mentioned weekly on your show. In fact, I've called in before about it. And okay. I, along with you, believe that this is just a matter of time that the shares reflect what the company is doing quarter after quarter, beating and raising, yet the stock cannot hold any of its gains. The Bears won't set this thing free. Jimmy, what else is it going to take before the market realizes what a powerful, disruptive brand Anthony Noto is creating at SoFi? Okay, well, let's look at this. Let's say we were talking about KeyBank. Let's say we're about Huntington Bank shares or Regions Financial. Let's say we're talking about Wells Fargo. We're talking about Bank of America. They're all suffering from the same thing. I think that Anthony's actually doing better than the other guys. So I say you stay long, SoFi. Remember, this stock is up substantially from where it was in the spring. I think Noda's doing a great job. I'm in bar. Let's go to Jim in Wisconsin. Jim. Hey, Jim, thanks for all your tireless work. Thank you, this Jim. This stock, is that a tough year? Tell me about Walgreens. I think Walgreens got to get, you know, cut that dividend in half and be able to start showing a plan. They have no plan with without a plan. I can't recommend it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, make ends meet and make your portfolio work overtime, Shopify, small business, and the underground economy. Kramer has more next.
2: All right, take your cell phone out go to BFCM.shopify.com right now. Watch those Black Friday Cyber Monday sales per minute numbers while you're listening to me. Because you're watching, as the president of Shopify, Harvey Finkelstein, said to me, the Super Bowl for entrepreneurs. This weekend belongs to them, he said. They showed up. Look at these sales numbers go higher. It's one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen. Shopify, the ultimate e-commerce enabler, offering everything from point of sale to shipping, sold $4.1 billion in sales on the platform for Black Friday alone. That's huge. It's up 22% from last year. We can put that data into the mosaic of consumer strength that perhaps judge if people are spending so much that the, maybe the Fed should be worried about an overheated economy. We don't have brick-and-mortar data yet, so we can't tell. And Amazon reportedly spent $100 million to air an NFL game on Friday, I'm sure driving more traffic than usual to their site. Who knows what would have happened if that game had been the Eagles versus the Bills, a nail biter, rather than the Dolphins steamrolling the Jets. Until we have all the data, including the tallies from today and the brick and mortar numbers, we can't get a clear read on consumer spending. We shouldn't even try. But maybe that's the one way to look at it at all. This bean counting doesn't work for me. Maybe we should use what Harley's Shopify says about the state of entrepreneurialism in this country. I want you to take a look at what he told me this morning on Squawk on the Street. Over thirty thousand of our merchants, for them, Black Friday was their best sales day ever on Shopify. And if you look at the globe, there's this, this really cool little Easter egg, which, which, I, Jim, you're gonna love this because I know you're 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 such a fan of small business. Over thirteen thousand merchants had their very first sale ever on uh, at the start of Black Friday. So when you see those fireworks on the map, those purple fireworks, that's a brand new entrepreneur getting their very first sale. I love that. I just love it to me, seeing how small, medium sized businesses are being empowered by the perfect explanation for how we could have such a robust economy. Despite the Fed hitting us with the most aggressive rate hiking cycle in 40 years. See, it's never been easier to open a small business. You know, Shopify costs only $39 a month to basically give you everything you need for e-commerce. There are so many sites and gizmos and services devoted to making small businesses competitive with large ones. We talked to Wix.com earlier, which can design your website for a pittance using amazing artists. You can use artificial intelligence with Adobe's Firefly to figure out colors that work best. Yes, to convert. You can game social media to figure out what you can get from the get the word out simply by using all your friends to sign up and get the way it does it. You can do. Design TikTok videos that go viral, and if you can't figure that out, you can hire someone who's great at it for a very low cost per hour. And will take care of the paperwork, connect to your accounting. Again, it's, it's simply not expensive, nor is Twilio, which can help you stay in touch with your clients and send them things that they would actually be interested in. I can go on and on and on about all the new ways it's become easier to run a small business, but the main thing is you're now free to actually create something that someone else will buy. You're unencumbered thanks to technology and artificial intelligence is just gonna make it that much easier to figure out what people want, making your business even more valuable. As Shantanu Narayan, the CEO of Adobe says, it will augment your ingenuity. This process is what keeps people employed and what gives them extra money to make ends meet. It's what empowers so many aspiring entrepreneurs who might otherwise work at jobs they hate or at least not work at all. This is not an underground economy, people. It's an economy that gives you enough tools to change just about everything in commerce. I think that's the reason why business can be so robust in this country, because they now have the tools to triumph over much higher interest rates the Fed's given us. Sometimes I think that these days, with all this technological ammunition, a small business person is only limited by the height of her own imagination. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last Call starts now.
1: its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such to view the full mad money disclaimer please visit cnbc.com forward slash mad money disclaimer
0: hi i'm cindy Lauper. my scalp was covered with psoriasis which could lead to psoriatic arthritis but cosentix treats both